Hey everybody, here on the Packaday Podcast, we're all about look good, play good, and that's why I'm super excited to announce our new sponsor, Oakley. Oakley is changing the game and it's time to discover a whole new world of possibilities. Do you run, golf, work out, or just want to look like Aaron Jones? Then you need to get yourself a pair of Oakleys today. Last season, I saw Aaron Jones wearing his signature Oakley sunglasses and I knew I had to have a pair. My Oakleys fit me perfectly and I've loved Oakley style since I was a kid. There's just that extra boost of confidence I get when I'm wearing them and that's why I wear them every single day. Suited for everyday eyewear with frames and lenses that allow for an expression of your own unique personality, there's more than meets the eye. With summer just around the corner, you're going to want to upgrade your sunglasses game right now. Check out oakley.com to get yourself a pair. Personally, I'm a huge fan of the frog skins. Did you know that Oakley even offers prism lens technology? What the hell is that, you ask? It's a proprietary technology to Oakley and available for everyday settings as well. Want to know more? I know you do, so head over to oakley.com and uh, do your own research. And while you're there, get yourself a pair of everyday glasses that'll be sure to change your look for the better. When you wear Oakley, there really is more than meets the eye. Don't trust me? Try for yourself. I've worn a lot of sunglasses brands in my life, and I can assure you, Oakley is not only the best looking, but the best quality out there. Head over to oakley.com for more information today. minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack-A-Day Podcast. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Pack-A-Day Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Herman. You can follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. Thanks so much for being here. As always, yesterday, we went over the one and only Malik Heath, the undrafted free agent out of Ole Miss, the standout undrafted free agent on the offensive side of the ball so far for the Packers. Today, we're going to be going over the standout undrafted free agent on the defensive side of the ball, and that is Brenton Cox, somebody who would have been drafted had it not been for the fact that he was kicked out of two different programs in the SEC. We'll get to all of that, but let's jump in right away. Brian Cox is a very interesting player. He is a 6'4", 250-pound edge slash defensive end, outside linebacker, whatever you want to consider him, can do a little bit of all of it. Uh, but out of the University of Florida, he spent his first year at Georgia, did a red shirt transfer to the University of Florida, played three years at Florida, and then again, did not complete his final season this past year. He was a fifth-year senior, and he is 23 years old. From a statistical standpoint, in his career, he had 137 tackles. 34 tackles for loss, 15 and a half sacks, one forced fumble, and 10 passes defended. His best season was in 2021 for Florida when he had 41 tackles, 14 and a half tackles for loss, eight and a half sacks, and that one forced fumble. His best game as a uh, collegiate athlete came in 2021 as well against Florida State when he had a four sack game and was absolutely phenomenal in that game. And let me just, before we even go further, I watched that Florida State game. I watched a bunch of tape from uh, 2022, but I wanted to go back and watch that Florida State game from 2021 if that was all you could see, if you could not watch him play at a, you know, at the, um, you know, the all-star game, if you could not watch him, uh, you know, at the combine, if you could not watch any of his other tape, if you just saw him in that performance against Florida State, you would swear that you were watching a top 100 pick in any given NFL draft. Just a incredible blend of run defending explosiveness. I wouldn't say bend off the edge, but he could win with speed and then the ability to win with power as well. Like it was so impressive. He just absolutely wrecked Florida State in that game. Outside of that four sacks, I think he had another four or five pressures. Like he was unbelievable in that game. Now, 
that has not been his entire career. And clearly some of the non-football stuff is what kept him out of the draft. But there is stuff on tape that you will see from Brenton Cox that displays true top 100 draft pick potential. So getting him as an undrafted free agent has the potential to be a huge bargain for Green Bay. Now, not a super athlete here, much like Malik Heath from yesterday, 6.33 RES, so 63rd percentile athlete as a edge rusher, outside linebacker, etc. His best traits, 88th percentile in the 10-yard split, and that shows up consistently. His first step off the line of scrimmage is very fast, and he's one of the very first players. If you watch it on that sideline angle and you see who gets out of their stance first and who has the advantage, more often than not, it's uh, Brenton Cox. So that 10-yard split, 80th percentile shows up on tape. 72 percentile bench press, that physicality shows up on tape. His ability to bull rush players shows up as well. And then 66 percentile vertical jump. We talked about those passes defended. That's not him going up and lining up at outside corner and running with wide receivers. That's him jumping up and getting his hands up at the line of scrimmage and knocking down passes. So that shows up as well. Now on the flip side, 27th percentile for weight. Now his strength and his height make up for that a little bit. 26th percentile three cone, 36th percentile short shuttle. So his agility is an issue that shows up when he does try to bend that edge. So he has that speed on the outside, that first step quickness, and he can get around sometimes. I think it's going to be a bit more of a struggle at the NFL level because he can't really just change directions as fluidly as a lot of other players. So he's got a little bit of a different build, a little bit of a bulkier build. We mentioned the bench press and all of those sort of things. It's not it's not leaning itself to be or lending itself to be quite as bendy, but you don't have to necessarily be that in the NFL. If you've got power and you can convert speed to power and you have that first step quickness, you have some things that you can win with even at the NFL level, even against better offensive linemen. Some of his athletic comps, former Packer Sam Montgomery, hopefully he's better than that. That didn't turn out very well. Ja'Kai Polite, a former University of Florida player who also had some off-field concerns, who also was a major bust and did not do anything in the NFL. So we'll see. Hopefully that is not the case here for Brenton Cox. And then another interesting one was Felix Anaduke Uzama, who was the last pick of the first round by the Kansas City Chiefs. He was a first round pick and had a very similar athletic profile. Now, you know, Uzama, I think much quicker off the line of scrimmage, a little bit more bendy, not the same player as Brenton Cox, but athletically, he ends up being a first round pick. Brenton Cox goes undrafted. From a PFF standpoint, good grades all the way around. In 2018 for Georgia, had a 74.1 grade as a true freshman. Then had the year off in 2020, he came back as a redshirt sophomore with a 77.1 grade. In 2021, a 77.9. And then here's the thing. In 2022, he had his worst season per PFF. And I think even if you just kind of look at the body of work, wasn't as impressive. 67.3 grade, still above average. And he still had a 67.3 grade or better in every year that he played in college. So there's a lot to like there, but it is interesting and at least noteworthy that his worst season Season came this past year in 2022. Now, he didn't get to complete that season because, as we mentioned, he was ultimately kicked off the team. Some background info on him he was a top 20, a top 20 high school recruit in 2018. So, a top 20 player in the nation at any given position. Brenton Cox is on that list. He ultimately signs with Georgia, was deciding between Georgia and Alabama. At Georgia, he's arrested for marijuana possession. He would later be dismissed from the team. 
He goes to Florida, has that redshirt season, comes back, plays the three years, and then is eventually dismissed from Florida in 2022, which was described as like a consistent series of team infractions and just like a an accumulation of events that took place. So it wasn't any given, you know, any one given thing that got him off the team. It was just like stuff that kept happening, you know, rules being broken over and over, according to Florida. So the big red flag here for Cox is that he was kicked off of two different SEC programs, including the University of Georgia and then the University of Florida. So, you know, just the team's appetite for a player that has the, those sort of issues gets kicked out of two programs is, you know, who, you know, who knows, you know, how that's going to play out. And that's why he ultimately goes undrafted and Green Bay is able to pick him up, not only as an undrafted free agent, but you can make an argument based on signing bonus money. This was not even a priority free agent. Green Bay did give him, I believe, some signing bonus, but it wasn't exorbitant. And usually those big time undrafted free agents, they get lots of guaranteed money and signing bonuses. That was not Brenton Cox. So he was not even deemed a priority, priority free agent by most teams. Now he does have a ton of positives, which I want to get to right away. I, I think first of all, you know, I mentioned he was a little bit on the light side from a weight standpoint, but overall you look at him and that first step quickness and the weight that he does have, the strength that he has in his upper body, and then just his overall size, like he looks the position and looks the part of a modern day edge rusher in the NFL. He's got a great arm over move and he has the ability to quickly gain position on the inside. So he doesn't necessarily have that change of direction, which is displayed in a short shuttle in three cone times, but he has a great first step quickness and he has great lateral agility. So he gets up off the line of scrimmage really fast. And then he has that arm over and all of a sudden, you know, before you know it, he's in the gap next to you and trying to win on the other side of you. So if you're an offensive lineman, your head's down, you're expecting him to be on your left side, you get your head up and all of a sudden he's on the right side. That lateral agility, that first step quickness and that explosiveness off the line of scrimmage serves him very, very well and should continue to to do so at the NFL level. He has a very good first step, as mentioned. As Again, you look at him down the line of scrimmage, he's going to be one of the first you know, people on the offensive or defensive side out of their stance and ready to attack and get on the opposing offensive tackle as quickly as possible. He shows off a speed rush, and that is largely due in part to that first step explosiveness and acceleration off the line of scrimmage. If it weren't for that, his 40 time's not that great. He's not going to just blow by you with pure speed and athleticism, but the fact that he has that quick first step helps him a ton. He showed in college that he can go around you with that quick first step. He also shows on multiple occasions that he can go through you. And that's his best move is when he gets a, he has a great long arm and he has really long arms, which is, he has a nice wingspan, but he uses that great long arm, just keeps the offensive tackle at bay and just starts going to work and bull rushing that offensive tackle back into the quarterback, shed the offensive tackle and then go make a play. That is when he is at his best. But the fact that he has a little bit of that first, you know, that, that first step quickness and that ability to show speed, it sets up that bull rush and that long arm even better because it keeps offensive tackles a little bit off balance knowing like, all right, he's going to come up quick. Is he going to try to go around me or is he going to try to go through me? And if you're kept guessing, that's going to make you that much more dangerous as an edge rusher. Brenton Cox has a little bit of that, you know, just ability to win in a couple different ways, which keeps those offensive tackles off balance. He can play all over the line. 
He plays outside. They did line him up a little bit inside. That's not something that you can do on rundowns. It's not like you can line up on first and 10 and line him up inside. Teams would just run right at him. But on obvious passing situations, you can use him as an interior rusher as well, especially if you're doing some twists and stunts and he can come around. I think that would work very, very well. There's also some Zadarius Smith in him where they would line him up over center or stand him up as a off-ball linebacker and then just have him move around and not knowing where he's going to come and has the ability to blitz from really any gap that he wants to in that situation. So they used him in that capacity as well. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey everybody, here on the Packaday Podcast, we're all about look good, play good, and that's why I'm super excited to announce our new sponsor, Oakley. Oakley is changing the game and it's time to discover a whole new world of possibilities. Do you run, golf, work out, or just want to look like Aaron Jones? Then you need to get yourself a pair of Oakleys today. Last season, I saw Aaron Jones wearing his signature Oakley sunglasses and I knew I had to have a pair. My Oakleys fit me perfectly and I've loved Oakley style since I was a kid. There's just that extra boost of confidence I get when I'm wearing them and that's why I wear them every single day. Suited for everyday eyewear with frames and lenses that allow for an expression of your own unique personality, there's more than meets the eye. With summer just around the corner, you're going to want to upgrade your sunglasses game right now. Check out oakley.com to get yourself a pair. Personally, I'm a huge fan of the frog skins. Did you know that Oakley even offers prism lens technology? What the hell is that, you ask? It's a proprietary technology to Oakley and available for everyday settings as well. Want to know more? I know you do, so head over to oakley.com and uh, do your own research. And while you're there, get yourself a pair of everyday glasses that'll be sure to change your look for the better. When you wear Oakley, there really is more than meets the eye. Don't trust me? Try for yourself. I've worn a lot of sunglasses brands in my life, and I can assure you, Oakley is not only the best looking, but the best quality out there. Head over to oakley.com for more information today. I actually liked his ability to drop into coverage. He is not the most agile, nimble player in the world, but... I thought like overall getting into his drops and finding his space and finding his own, he did a more than adequate job. Now, coming to balance, making sure that he's tackling people and doing those sort of things is a little bit more of a challenge. But if you need him in a situation, you want to blitz off the other side, you need him to block, you know, to drop into his own, he's going to hit his landmarks. He's going to get to space and he's going to be, you know, at least a, you know, course of confusion for the opposing quarterback, the fact that he's back there. So I thought he did a good job with his drops and getting back into coverage when he, he was asked to do so, which admittedly was not a ton. I think he plays with really good intensity. Uh, does a really nice job on read option plays. So a lot of times, and he's not a super great instinctual player, which we're going to get to more in just a moment, but 
when he's standing up and they have, you know, a two-way option and they can either hand off on the inside run or play it to the outside, he played those extremely well and made multiple tackles in the backfield by doing so. So he has great instincts on those specific plays and usually is able to make a play sooner rather than later and get the either the running back or quarterback down behind the line of scrimmage. Um, he's more than capable of holding up at the point of attack against the run. He has enough strength and enough size to be able to do so. He needs to be far more consistent as a run defender, which we'll get to, but he has the frame and the ability to set the edge when he sets his mind to it. And we'll get to some of those other issues, like I said, in just a second. He plays with very active hands. So multiple times you will see him, offensive tackle gets his hands up, to, you know, to, you know, combat and, and counteract what, you know, Cox is trying to do. And he will just swipe them down and get to the outside and go make a play. And he comes at you. He has the, he displays violent hands and he can, you have a, quite a punch that, you know, kind of jars and disjoints the offensive tackle as well, but he's constantly working and those hands are constantly moving. And usually his hands are going to work a little bit quicker than the opposing offensive tackle. So those active hands serve him very, very well. And then the last thing is he displays plenty of effort and rallies to the football. This is not an instance where you have a, a player who is lacking the fire, or the passion, or the drive. I know some people will say that he maybe will take a series offer, you know, here or there. I didn't think it was anything egregious. And more often than not, when you watch him play, he is willing to chase down plays from behind. Like I said, he rallies to the football. He doesn't quit on plays that much. I think sometimes maybe he gets a little bit tired. There were a couple of times where he saw the hands on the hips, but I thought overall he was an effort player and I didn't have any concerns with his overall effort out on the football field. All right, some negatives. I think the first one is he can be a little bit too selfish and he can take himself out of the play. We talk about this in the past with Zadarius Smith, who would go big game hunting from time to time. And like he was very susceptible to draws and screens and those sort of things because he would just want to get upfield and make the big play for himself. And it wasn't doing his 111th. It wasn't, you know, the Bill Belichick, do your job, just do your part and everything else will take care of itself. Sometimes with Z, he got a little bit too greedy. And you'll see that a little bit with Brenton Cox as well, where he kind of wants to just get to the quarterback and, you know, get the splash play. And sometimes he just needs to do a little bit better job of doing his 111th and getting his specific job done on the play so that it sets everyone else up for success. I didn't think his impact was felt as much in 2022. I didn't think he had the same sort of burst and just overall, you know, um, level of disruption in 2022. You saw his best film in 2021. And, you know, you have to wonder like, why was there that step back in 2022? And maybe some of the off-field stuff was playing a part in that, but I didn't think he certainly was coming off his best season this past year. He needs to put together a much better overall pass rush move set and show some counters and in those sort of things to just kind of keep offensive tackles a little bit more off balance. Right now, it's a lot of speed rush, bull rush, long arm, and that's kind of it. He'll throw a spin move in every once in a while. It's not depleted. It's not like he's a one-trick pony. It's not like he can only do one thing over and over. But what you want to do is set offensive linemen up a little bit more, show one thing and then come back with another in the next play and just you know have a little bit more variety and spice it up a little bit more. So he needs to do a much better job of that. Uh, he will get caught playing inside rather than setting the edge. And this is a little bit going back to that sort of selfishness or hunting for the big play. There'll be times where his job is to set the edge on the outside, but he wants to come in. And there are times where he'll come inside and he'll still make the play because he's a, he's a good athlete. He's a good overall player. But other times he'll get caught inside and they'll just outflank him and they'll end up being a big play to the outside because he didn't do his job in setting the edge to the outside. 
He also needs to do a much better job of finishing plays. There were a couple different plays. Like, go back and watch the Missouri tape. There was another one early against LSU where he has a great move and he gets in the backfield and he's got the quarterback dead to rights and he just doesn't finish the play. There were a couple against running backs where it happened on potential tackles for loss in the backfield where the running back bounces away as well. He needs to stay a little bit more on balance, use a little bit better technique and make sure that he's wrapping up and getting players to the ground because those sack numbers could have been much higher if he was just able to finish. And I think the other thing too is we mentioned that 10-yard split is really good. The 40-yard split's not quite as good. You can kind of see that as well, where he has that initial acceleration, but what you want to see is a closing burst to the quarterback. And I don't think he has had, or at least displayed a great deal of that, where he just has that you know, sort of hunter's instinct where, all right, the quarterback's in grasp. I have to explode to the quarterback, get him to the ground and make that play. I haven't seen that. I think the finishing just needs to be a little bit better from Bretton Cox as well. Uh, he struggled with bigger, more physical offensive tackles, which is to be understood at the college level. Uh, Darnell Wright, I thought, got the best of him. Georgia this past season got the best of him. And that's the offensive tackles he's going to be going against in the NFL every down of every week, right? Uh, the bigger, more physical, just more talented players. So he's going to have to do a better job of winning against those players and not just the you know lesser you know players that are going to be matched up in a, a college basis year to year. So that's going to be a transition for him. I thought he really struggled to diagnose screenplays. Part of that, again, is the big game hunting and wanting to go make the big play in the backfield and just getting over anxious. You saw some you know, false starts by him as well, where he wants to get off that line of scrimmage and go make a play. Again, sometimes he doesn't set up his team well because he's trying to focus on making that big play. So that needs to be better. As mentioned, he's an inconsistent tackler. And I think the other thing too, and another reason outside of the off-field stuff where he goes undrafted is he won a lot with traits at college. The, the effort was good, but he his technique needed a lot of work and his overall football instincts were lacking at times, just understanding what the opposing offense was trying to do. And if you don't have the, the football instincts and you don't have, you know, the, um, you know, the technique down and now you're not a high end 90th percentile athlete and you're just kind of an average or slightly above average athlete. A lot of times it's going to you know catch up with you in the NFL. Like I said, the effort good is good. He tries hard. He rallies to the football, and he's got some good traits. So there there is some of that stuff that he can work with. But that technique has to be better, and he has to try to improve those instincts and just kind of a better overall awareness of what's going on in the field, reading his keys, filling his gaps, and just again kind of doing his job and doing his one eleventh. And again, that's going to be harder at the NFL level to do when you're going against better athletes across from you. How he can fit in Green Bay, I think right away he's going to fight for a roster spot on the 53 with guys like Justin Hollins, Jonathan Garvin, and Ladarius Hamilton. You could make the argument that there might only be one spot there, and that very well could be Justin Hollins. Uh, there could be two. There could you know, be more if Rashawn Gary's not ready. So it's going to be tough to tell, but I think he's right there in the conversation with any of those you know four guys overall, Brenton Cox, Justin Hollins, Jonathan Garvin, and Ladarius Hamilton for probably a last edge rusher spot. I think he fits very well within Joe Barry's 3-4 scheme. He's going to have to do a little bit better job of setting the edge if he wants to see, you know, play on early downs. But I think overall he's a scheme fit. And he's already received some praise from Matt LaFleur as well from the jump he made from rookie minicamps into minicamps and OTA. So that is a positive sign overall. Overall, I think he is a much better undrafted free agent than you are ever likely to find in the NFL. Um, in large part due to some of the off the field stuff. And I'm not surprised overall that he went undrafted because of that. If 
he can stay on the straight and narrow, he has a real chance to make this 53-man roster. I really believe that. I think the talent is certainly there. And at times he displayed top 100 talent while he was at Florida and even earlier in his career when he was at Georgia. With no issues, at minimum, he should be a lock for the practice squad. Like I said, if he plays well in training camp preseason and keeps on the straight and narrow and has no off-field issues, I think he has a real real legitimate chance of being a 53-man roster guy or at minimum practice squad with maybe some call-ups as the season goes along. That is going to do it for me today in my breakdown of Brenton Cox. If you haven't checked out the Malik Heath one from yesterday, highly recommend that as well. I'll be right back here tomorrow with an all new episode, so make sure to subscribe if you have not already. But until next time, and as always, go Pack Go. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.